We are going through the Gospel of Mark on uh, Sunday mornings, afternoons, apparently, and we have come to chapter 11. So if you have a Bible with you today, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 11, and we will read from the first verse, and we are covering first 25 verses or 26 verses depending on the translation you have uh, with you today. Mark chapter 11 and verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them go into the village in front of you And immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to him, what are you doing? untying the colt and they told them what Jesus had said and they let them go and they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it and many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields and those who went before and those who followed were shouting Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry and seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, He went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered him, answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, 
but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. And then verse 26, which if you have an ESV is in the footnotes and not in the main text, says this. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now that verse doesn't appear in all manuscripts, um, so it is not in the ESV. But we will leave that uh, minor detail for today. So we have come to a new section in Mark's Gospel. Um, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. And if you were here uh, last week, you, you might remember that the Lord Jesus had several times reminded his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. And three times, in fact, in Mark's Gospel, we read that Jesus said, the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem. And he told his disciples what would happen to him in Jerusalem, that he would be arrested, that he would, be, that he would suffer and that he would eventually die in Jerusalem. And now this time has come. So this is a new section, Mark. He's finished his ministry in Galilee in the north. He's finished his Judean ministry in the south. And now he enters Jerusalem. And the rest of Mark's gospel... The Lord Jesus is in Jerusalem or, as we'll also learn today, just outside in a place called Bethany. Now, the the, the events at the start of chapter 11, what is called the triumphal entry, is um, what we would normally or traditionally call Palm Sunday. And it marks the beginning of the Passion Week. The Passion Week. And we are only four or five days away, depending on the chronology and there's a bit of debate, four or five days away from Good Friday, the day when the Lord Jesus was crucified. So we're moving towards the climax of Mark's gospel. And the Lord has set his face to go to Jerusalem, Luke tells us. He was determined to go, knowing full well what was to happen to him. He knew that he would be arrested as he entered Jerusalem eventually. He knew that he would suffer. 
He knew that he would die. But that's why he went. Last Sunday, um, Tim read these, this verse, this well-known verse in chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That is why the Son of Man came. That is why the Lord Jesus came. He came to give his life. And that's about to happen, but doesn't happen in our passage today. We have three events in, in the passage that we're going to think about today. We have what we call the triumphal entry. Uh, I don't think it was that triumphal, triumphant, um, but that's what we call it sometimes. It was, we might say, an unofficial coronation, unofficial coronation. And then we have the cursing of the fig tree. And then there is the cleansing of the temple. So the, the, the coronation unofficial coronation the cleansing of the, the, the sorry the cursing of the fig tree and the cleansing of the temple and all this is centered around Jerusalem the the epicenter of uh, Judaism the the center of uh, Jewish religion and that's where the temple was but there is another place referred to in this passage, and it's very interesting. And we read of it uh, a few times. It's a little place, insignificant place, outside Jerusalem, two miles outside Jerusalem on the slopes of Mount Olives. It's called Bethany. And that's where the Lord lodged in during this time and we're going to think about Bethany and the contrast between Bethany and Jerusalem and if I was to put a title on my message today I would just lift it straight from the text in verse 13 nothing but leaves nothing but leaves. Slightly cryptic, perhaps, but hopefully, as we work our way through this um, this very interesting passage, it'll become clear to us what the significance of this was—that there was nothing but leaves on the tree. Okay, so. The annual Passover feast was approaching. It's uh, the, the biggest day, perhaps, in the Jewish calendar. And they were remembering when they were taken from captivity in, in Egypt and set free. Um, this is the, the, the annual feast and pilgrims were flocking to Jerusalem at this time. And the great Passover was four or five days away. Jerusalem would have been heaving with pilgrims. Maybe some have estimated that there would have been over two million 
people in Jerusalem at this time. And Jesus drew near to Jerusalem as well with his disciples. We see that at the beginning of this uh, chapter. But he wasn't lodging there. He was lodging, as we thought, in a little village called Bethany. Jesus had friends in Bethany. You may be familiar with the story of Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And just a few weeks before this, the Lord had raised Lazarus from the dead. And it was in Bethany that the Lord found true fellowship. And true worship. It was an oasis for the Lord, it seems, to be there in Bethany, away from the hustle and bustle of the city, the religiosity of the city. He found an oasis, he found true worship in Bethany. And it is from there that he sends two of his disciples. Presumably, he sends them to the next village, Bethphage, nearby. And he says that as they enter the village, that they would find a colt, uh, the foal of an ass, uh, a donkey, a young donkey, on which no one had ever sat. And they were to untie this colt, and they were to bring the cult to the Lord Jesus. And the Lord told them that if anyone asked them, why are you doing this? That they, they would say, the Lord has need of it. And will send it back. And they did, as the Lord asked. His two disciples, they went and they found the cult as described by the Lord Jesus. And they were met with that response that they expected. Why are you doing this? And they said what the Lord had asked them to. And so they bring it to the Lord. Now there are four things, but many things we could um, learn from these very, this very ordinary, non-spectacular um, happenings here. Number one... The Lord knows all things. The Lord knows all things. The Lord knew. He had not been there. But the Lord knew about the animal. He knew about the owners. Without any prearrangement, humanly speaking, he knew that a cult was ready for him in the next village. The Lord knew. Secondly, the Lord is faithful. The Lord Jesus is faithful. As he sat on that foal of an ass, on that colt, he fulfilled <coughs> prophecy in the Old Testament. Prophecy about the Messiah that we read of in, in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9 and verse 9. Zechariah had prophesied that this uh, exact thing would happen and so the Lord he fulfilled the prophecy 
Zechariah said 500 years before, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This was the prophecy. And the Lord was faithful to his God. And he did his will and he fulfilled this messianic prophecy and in doing so he declared openly that he was the messiah that he was the messiah the lord didn't sneak into jerusalem sort of incognito he he went openly he was not afraid of the power and the malice of the enemies he went openly, riding, as the prophet had said, on the foal of an ass. And he was faithful to his God. So he knows all things. He is faithful. And we see, number three, that he has power over nature. You know, this was an animal, that a, a, a donkey that had not been broken in. It had not been trained. It had not been tamed. It says here that no one had ever sat on it. Yet the Lord sat on it and rode into Jerusalem. He had the power over nature and the power of, over the animals. And fourthly, we see here the humility of Christ. The humility of Christ. As I said, we call this a triumphal entry. But by all accounts, and by the Roman standards at least, this was not very triumphant. It was, there was no fanfare. There was no dignitaries. There was no great pre-arrangements. There were no golden coaches or, or whatever. Just a borrowed foal of an ass. borrowed donkey later in the week the lord would eat his passover in a borrowed upper room he was buried on the friday in a borrowed sepulcher we can think earlier in the ministry of the lord jesus he borrowed a boat And this is the Messiah. This is the, the maker of the universe. And we see here his humility. And if I can make just a very simple application here. It's maybe so simple that I, I was wondering whether I should do it or not. But we should not scorn. And this is a lesson here. We should not scorn to be beholden to one another speaking to Christians predominantly here we should not be concerned about being interdependent in other words don't be too proud to borrow from someone something that you don't own yourself some here have many books 
And it's good if we can borrow books from them. Some here have garage full of tools and we can use what other people have. And, there's, and that is the, what the Lord exemplified here, did he not? That the, although he was the Messiah and the maker of the universe, he made himself in a way, and I say this carefully, dependent upon others. And so we should not be too proud. So we see the omniscience of the Lord here. We see his faithfulness. We see his humility. And we see his power. And as he comes into Jerusalem, and there would be a crowd that seems to be gathering as he, as he makes his way, this two-mile journey from um, Bethany or Bethphage into Jerusalem, where there is, which is heaving with people. And as he rides in, uh, people are joining the procession, it seems, and they hail him. And they spread their cloaks and their leafy branches on the road. And they waved their palm branches, we read in other Gospels, and they sang Hosanna. They were singing from, quoting from Psalm 118. Um, and they sang, Lord, save, is what Hosanna means. Save. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the, of the Lord. Blessed is kingdom of, of our father, David. There was a recognition of sort here of who the Lord Jesus was, that he was the Messiah. But I, 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 I think I'm a bit sceptical of if they really knew what they were saying. Did they, and I think that as they, you know, they acknowledged who he was, they were expecting at this point a deliverer, someone who would, release them from the bondage of the Romans and they were expecting a political leader who would do that there and then of course although the Lord Jesus openly acknowledged the praise this is the very first time that he does that he was fully aware that the crowd in Jerusalem perhaps not exactly the same crowd I don't know but the crowd in Jerusalem would be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. We don't want this man to reign over us. So we must move on. Just time is, is the clock is ticking. And, and, and the section that finishes with verse 11, that this first section, and Jesus entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple and not into the temple itself, but into the court of the temple. And he looked around. And as it was already late, he went out back to Bethany. He retired to Bethany, that oasis that he found. He didn't go up to the temple in Jerusalem to look as a tourist, at, as a sightseeing tour. He went to observe what was going on there in Jerusalem and in temple. And then we come to the next section, which is a most unusual story. The, 
the fruitless fig tree. And having been in, in Jerusalem the previous day, and he'd, he'd been welcomed and applauded, and then he'd inspected Jerusalem, he'd um, surveyed what was going on, he comes back the next day and he was hungry, and he saw a fig tree which was in leaf, and he went to it and he found nothing but leaves he found nothing but leaves and what is most unusual about this is that the lord then cursed this fig tree we know that because peter later on he says remember he says rabbi look in verse 21 did the tree the fig tree that you cursed has withered so he curses the fig tree now this is the only miracle that the lord jesus performed which was destructive. Now, the Lord did many miracles. He healed, he gave sight to the blind, and he made the lame to walk, and so on. And all these miracles were constructive. They built up. They gave life, and they gave health. But here, it was a destructive miracle. The fig tree withered and died so what's going on why did the i mean the lord could have done a miracle and make figs ready to be eaten appear on this fig tree that would have been no problem for him but so why did he curse the fig tree now it's interesting that this the sort of the story of the of the of the fig tree is sort of um and frames the this other story that we have here which is the cleansing of the temple and I, I think therefore that they are linked the cleansing of the temple which was an act of judgment and the cursing of the fig tree must be linked, which is why they are sort of intertwined as they are. <clears throat> and what's happening here is that the Lord Jesus is acting out a parable. He's acting out a parable. The fig tree, in, if you read the Old Testament, the fig tree was a picture of Israel. And the Lord God expected fruit from that fig tree. He expected figs from that fig tree. But what did he found? What did he find? The Lord Jesus came to that fig tree and he found nothing but least. It was just show. There was no substance. There was foliage, but there was no fruit. Back in Mark chapter 7, the Lord Jesus said about the nation of Israel, quoting Isaiah, This people honours me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The pe this people honours me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. There was religion, but there was no faith. 
There was foliage, but there was no fruit. And so the Lord cursed the fig tree. He was acting out a parable. Back in Luke chapter 13, there's another parable about a fig tree that, which hadn't borne fruit for three years. And the owner said, cut it down. And the vine dresser says, give me one more year. And if it doesn't bear fruit after that year, then you can cut it down. Well, that year had, so to speak, passed and still no fruit. Nothing but leaves. And so the Lord Jesus cursed the fig tree. And, and, and so, as I said, he, he was acting out a parable. And there's an important lesson here for us. God searches our hearts today. Just as the Lord Jesus went on the night before, he went up to Jerusalem and he surveyed. He searched. He looked around. So God is searching our hearts today. Does he find genuine faith or is it just a facade? Is there just foliage and no fruit? Is there just an appearance of religion or are you the real deal? Put it in modern parlance. God is looking for worshippers. He expected to worship, true worship in Jerusalem. But what did he find? Not worship. God is looking for repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus. A person who has repented from their sins and trusted in Christ for their salvation is a transformed person. Changed man or woman. And the question is, are you one of them? today as the Lord searches our hearts. Time is nearly gone. We have this next incident which is the cleansing of the temple. Again, an unusual one. We have sometimes this idea, a notion of the Lord Jesus, of this man who just did nice things to people. But it's good to have our minds and our ideas of who Christ is aligned with Scripture. And we see here a side of Christ, which is righteous anger. He came to the temple where, he would, where we, we, we would expect worship of God. But what did he find? Not worship, but merchandise. The people of Israel had commercialized this whole religious system and pilgrims were flocking to the temple and they were selling them animals at extortionate prices and they were exchanging money so that they could pay the temple tax in the shekel and the right coinage. And just as foreign exchange places at the airport, they were adding, you know, a big margin on it. They were making money out of this. And that, that's what's happening here. So they were, instead of worshipping God, they had commercialized all of this. And so the Lord Jesus drives them out. He was having none of it. And as he does so, he strikes fear in the religious leaders. And they sought ways to 
get rid of him, the Lord Jesus. And that story continues. Now, as we close today, time is gone. May we be challenged who the Lord Jesus is, the Messiah, the maker of the universe, the one who, who searches our hearts, the one who is looking for worship. What does he find in us today? Does your soul resemble Jerusalem? Showy, busy religion, but no true worship. Christ did not dwell in Jerusalem. He came into Jerusalem. Where did he dwell? He dwelt in Bethany. Because that's where he found true worship. Not ostentatious, but genuine faith and worship of who he was. I just want to finish with a little poem from by a man called James Tate from Shetland. He says this. He came, he looked on all with eye of flame. He scanned the shrine that bore his father's name. Then turning, left behind that fruitless tree. What there he sought in vain, he found at Bethany. He, he comes, he scanneth still before his eye, naked and bare, all shams and falsehoods lie. Searcher of hearts, O findest thou in me mere foliage or fruit, Salem or Bethany. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that today we have learned more about him. And we thank you that although he was honoured uh, by the people as he came into, rode into Jerusalem, there was no true worship of him there. But Father, we, we thank you for who he is. We thank you for why he went into Jerusalem. He came there to give his life. And Father, we pray today that as we learn more about him, that you will help us to see who he truly is and understand that he died for our sins, that we might put our faith in him, repent and believe. And we pray that as you look at our hearts, that you will find not uh, leaves only, but fruit, fruits of repentance, genuine faith in the Lord Jesus, in your Son we pray. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.